what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. In this episode of The Written Compass, I'm going to talk about the complicated aspects of grammar. Why is it such a point of all kinds of emotions when it comes to our histories as a writer and our futures as a writer, especially when we're trying to get our messages out there. So I titled this episode, Grammar, It's Complicated, because it is, and I want to dive into why it's gotten so weird and funky and complicated. And I want you to walk away feeling really affirmed about your writing, about your language, and about your grammar. I can't wait, so let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of The Written Compass. You might have looked at the title of this episode and had some very visceral reactions. (laughs) For some of you, the word grammar is like, ooh, yeah, let's dive in. I love me some grammar. For others of you, you may go, oh my goodness, please no. I want you to know that wherever you land between those two or on those two spectrums, you are welcome here because this is not going to be your average conversation around all things grammar. I want to start off with a little simple activity. I want you to put these words in order. Dog be ran. I'm going to guess pretty quickly you put them in the following order. The dog ran. You made a pretty simple sentence. We have a subject, we have a verb, and then the is the article at the beginning. If you were able to do that, that means you have the inherent structures of, for this particular podcast in the language that I speak, English, you know the inherent structures, i.e. the grammar already. And why do you know that? Because if you were a native speaker and your caretakers were speaking to you, reading to you um, in the very early stages of your life, you automatically picked up those structures of the language. Our brains are pre-programmed. They're ready for language. And whatever language you are born into, whatever your caretakers use, that's the language you're going to automatically pick up. It's really, really cool how our bodies are already ready for this and our beautiful brain is ready. But what gets interesting is as we get older, as we start school experiences, as we get into society, grammar, that word, I'm using air quotes, can't see me, becomes this whole other thing. And as a teacher of English in my history and now an embodied writing coach, this is often something when I share what I do, people go, oh, well, I better watch what I say around you or um, don't you love my grammar? One of my son's good friends, um, their parents will often say like, oh my gosh, did you see my grammar when we're texting each other? And I'm over here going, oh my gosh, I could care less. I love you anyway. I understood you perfectly. So I want to really demystify this word grammar because tell me if you've noticed this or experienced this. Grammar is often used as a weapon. It's often used as a tool typically to make people feel kind of crappy about their communication skills, their, their writing or their speaking. And I've seen this within my own family. I've seen this with the students I used to teach. I see this sometimes with my clients. And I just want to really break down the layers of this. So I'm going to talk about lots of different things related to grammar and language 
And my intention is that I really want to break down why, where the mix-up comes from, okay? So I want to make this as palatable as possible. So this is not a grammar class. This is not, um, you know, anything that is trying to be the end-all be-all about grammar. I, my goal is that you just start to go, huh, that's a little different. Or you know what? I always knew it. You know, I knew something was off with what, you know, my teacher said or what my parents said or whatever. And particularly notice anything that shows up in you, any feelings or any bodily like sensations that you notice as we are talking through this together today. So first I want to dive in with what grammar is often used as a code term for. So a lot of times when people say the word grammar, like that person has bad grammar or I don't have good grammar, they mean a lot of different things than what actually grammar is. So I want you to remember the activity at the beginning. Grammar is about the structure of the language, the order of the words that we put in so that people can understand what we're communicating. And just to go into that a little bit further, if you think of um, English in Spanish, right, the word order definitely matters, okay? In Spanish, people, they flip their nouns and adjectives, and we don't do that in English, like, or they put them in a different order than we do. So that's just one example. Grammar is often a coded term for usage, proper English or edited, like standard English. I've talked about that before in previous episodes. Spelling or punctuation often gets lumped into the term grammar, or just good or bad writing right? Oftentimes when we have experienced our own writing moments in school, when the teacher went to grade it or give you feedback, can you remember what that looked like and and what happened in that process? A lot of times what happens is the teacher is marking things out or crossing in or using those editing um, symbols that sometimes you knew what they meant and sometimes you didn't. It's often in red ink. Raise your hand across the, the podcast earbuds if you are with me. And essentially what they were marking were some of these things. If you misspelled something, if you were using a word incorrectly, right? Like we were getting that good or bad writing stamp and it was often couched as grammar. We were getting corrected a lot. And so I want to give you just a few um, dictionary definitions of grammar. And then I also want to dive into some other ways of talking about grammar that people, this is not new stuff. People have been talking about this, particularly in the area of like teaching writing and understanding um, the teaching of writing. So one dictionary, just a typical dictionary definition is the study of the classes of words, their inflections, and their functions and relations in a sentence. And inflections just mean like when we change a word um, to give it some kind of distinction. So when we conjugate a verb, right? So the dog ran versus the dog runs versus the dog is running, all those kinds of things are different, um, would be considered inflections. Um, The other thing is that as a study of what is to be preferred, and this is where it starts to get a little emotional and a little human and a little subjective and what avoided in inflection and syntax. In 1985, yes, I'm going way back, Patrick Hartwell, he was um, a writer, studier uh, around writing and particularly grammar study and linguistics. He wrote this article called Grammar, Grammars, and the Teaching of Grammar. And he talks about different grammars and he numbers them. 
Um, and he talks about them as grammar one, grammar two, and grammar three. So I want to get into that. So I gave you the dictionary definition, and then I want to get into his three distinctions as well. So grammar one is that unconscious knowledge of language that anyone who's using the language understands in order to communicate. That's grammar one. That's what you did with the dog ran, or when I told you to put those words in an order that made sense for you. That's that unconscious knowledge. You didn't have to go look it up. You didn't have to think too hard. And this is the thing that we do all the time. Like as I'm talking right now, I am not consciously going, okay, I am putting my words in a certain order. I'm using a certain inflection. Now I'm going to change the, the case and the gender and the conjugation, right? I'm not doing that. It's just happening because I am a native speaker of the language that I'm using right now. Does that make sense? And we do the same thing in writing. So this is why I don't believe that anyone is bad, big quotation marks, at grammar. I think we have a lot of other things that come up, and I'm going to go into um, when I talk about grammar two and then grammar three. So grammar one is that unconscious knowledge. And this is why people, like, ugh, you are good at grammar, I promise. And grammar we use grammar as a tool. I'm going to talk about this more in a minute, but we use grammar as a tool, not as a way to judge our writing. So just feel into that as I share that. Grammar two is our unconscious knowledge of language that includes concepts, terminology, analytic techniques for talking about language. This is whenever you've experienced someone. So if I said back to the beginning, um, the dog ran our little sentence, right? One, to just call it a sentence. Is that something that is you've got in your knowledge skill set? It's okay if you don't, but does that come up for you? Can you identify the subject and the verb, right? And again, just notice, even as I ask those questions, like even as I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, don't get it wrong, Shana. You are the English teacher. You are the body, you know, embodied writing coach. You've got to get all these things right. I'm feeling the heart palpitations as I talk about this stuff. And I've been doing it for years. But this conscious knowledge is like the way that we talk, the words that we use to talk about language. That's what Patrick Hartwell calls grammar two. So if you've ever had to dissect a sentence, if you've ever had to name parts of speech in a sentence, um, some of you have had what's called daily grammar practice, this crazy thing that came out of from a teacher well-intentioned, I know, but was adopted as, see if we teach this isolated grammar instruction, get our kids to unpack and name the parts of the sentence, they'll suddenly be able to do this in their writing. I'm not going into that today, but there is tons of research that shows that isolated grammar instruction does not make for better, more effective writing. I love you if you are doing that <laughs> or feeling that or thinking that, but there's tons of research that shows we need to have it in the context of our writing in order for it to improve. So grammar two, the way we talk about language, that conscious knowledge. So we have to learn that. We don't know that. You're not born when a kid is born and learning language. They're not able yet to say, I am using my subject now. I am using my verb. And we don't need them to, right? You can be an amazing writer and not know what the subject of your sentence is there. I said it. I said it. Hartwell goes on to talk about grammar three. Grammar three is our concern for proper usage or language etiquette. 
This is, for instance, let me ask you a question. Tell me, when is it okay or not okay to say the word ain't? Let me say that again. When is it okay or not okay to say the word ain't? When is it acceptable or not acceptable? For some, you may be going, never, Shana. It's never acceptable. Ain't, ain't a word. And that's really interesting because English is a descriptive language, meaning we are creating new words and adding words to the dictionary all the time. Where are my urban dictionary folks? Just give you a shout out. Um, we are emerging and growing our language all the time. And so it's interesting when we declare, put a foot down, a stamp, you know, a flag in the ground around what is okay and not for language. Again, going all the way back to episode two around writing as an act of oppression versus an act of freedom. This is where we get lots of stories about ourselves tied up into our words and why, unfortunately, people who come from a marginalized community, i.e., Likely people whose language is not standard English, which standard English is often a code for white, middle to upper middle class language use. If they don't fit into that category, they often get marked as not having good grammar, not having good writing. And again, when we move into our lives as business owners, this is important. This is a conversation that no one is having. And so I'm excited to have it here. So grammar three is that proper use, that concern around etiquette. When do I use a certain word and when do I not? Now, in later episodes, I'm going to talk about how do we create rhetorically situated writing and how do we pay attention to things like our audience and our purpose and who we are as writers. That's going to be a way that we, I'd love to start to shift the conversation from proper usage and etiquette to heavily contextualized situations. Because for me, when I'm speaking with certain people, I better use the word ain't if I want to be in connection with them, right? You can think of certain contexts and certain people that if you are not in their language use, their grammar, their language patterns, you're not going to connect with them on the level that you desire. But more on that later. So what's the big so what about all of this? Why is it important? Like Shana, you're like this, you're a business owner. You want to support people um, in writing their heart-centered message in personal growth, personal development, business strategy book. What does all this grammar one, two, three stuff have to do with that? Well, one, I want you to know that if you have a history of feeling like your grammar is not okay, I hope that this started to shed some light on how to look at it differently and that it's complicated, and it's not a clear black and white right or wrong situation. It is very much about an assumption of rules, and we know what happens when we assume. And so I want to start asking more questions. I did this in in my work as a teacher, and now I'm excited to bring this to the world of writing books for business owners and people who have a message that they want to share And this is a way that we can disrupt the current narrative of pale, male, and stale book covers and writers and gurus to say there's another population that needs to hear these messages in a new and different way. We can disrupt what is going on when we stop making assumptions about the rules, start asking questions, and really dive into these structures that are a part of our schools. They're 
a part of our family. You may have never asked questions about grammar or language and just gone with the flow. And that's totally cool. But what gets to be fun is like when you just start to look at some of the rules of our language, you realize sort of how ridiculous it can be, right? So I'll just give you a few fun examples just to see what shows up when I share them. So one is like, what's a noun? A noun is, you may have heard, like a person, place, or thing, right? The problem with that is, what about redness? What about half? What about nonsense? You might go, oh, that's just a thing. Uh, Maybe, (laughs) right? And then you learn things like, when you're learning language in isolation, you learn things like the subject of a sentence is the doer of the action. But then what about a sentence like this? It seems to be raining. Now that may land for you or you may go, Shana, I'm lost. And wherever you are, that is totally fine. I just want you to start asking questions. What are the assumptions you have made around language, writing, grammar, all of that kind of stuff? And is that serving you? Is that supporting you in sharing your message with your audience, with your clients and getting your content out in the world in starting your book? If the answer is no, then I want to give you a big virtual hug from afar and let you know I am here. I am ready to disrupt. I am ready to support you in feeling and thinking about these things differently. And if it has served you in some way, I want you to start to look at why has it served me? Is that because of who and and how I identify in the world, right? So for me, as a white, privileged, middle-class woman, certainly being able to navigate and, and move my language around, depending on my audience, knowing and understanding what ideas of standard are and being able to activate those and use those when appropriate Heck yes, that has served me, right? That has been a privilege that I have for sure benefited from. Knowing how to switch and say and do something differently in a different context, in a different audience, that has served me as well to be able to navigate and shift around. And so I want to call into question, what has grammar meant for you, look like for you, and how have those experiences shaped you? And are those still serving you? Whatever those rules are, whatever those um, ways of thinking about it, are they still serving you? Or is it time to ask some new questions and get some new beliefs out there? Of course, I want to hear from you about this episode. I hope I do because this is a fun and juicy one. So don't forget to reach out. Don't forget to share Um, this on your Instagram and tag me at shanahartman.com slash underscore. I look forward to hearing from you and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of The Written Compass. If you are loving this content, then please share this episode and tag me on Instagram at shanahartman underscore. And if you're wondering how you can implement the ideas I share here and really begin creating your amazing book, I want to connect with you even more. Head over to shanahartman.com slash the written compass to learn even more about not only writing your book, but truly experiencing your words. You've been listening to The Mesh. 
an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.